Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 24th, 2013. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 102 in the chapter Working with Others, Chapter 7. And this morning we are going to start out on... Um, 102 on the second full paragraph on that page, beginning with, your job now is to be at the place. The reference number for yesterday's meeting, um, that was Wednesday, October 23rd, is 5355. That's 5355. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Diane G. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane. I'm a compulsive overeater from New Hampshire. Number one, uh, the 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our fears. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane. I'd now like to ask Sharon H. to please read the 12 Traditions. Thank you, Janice, and hello to everyone out on the line. This is Sharon in Colorado. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 
and eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other, other media of communications. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Sharon. How our meetings work. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 102 in Chapter 7, Working with Others. And we're going to begin with a paragraph that reads, Your Job Now. And today I'd like to ask Katie to please get us started. Are you there, Katie? Press star one to unmute. Okay, I'm so sorry. I couldn't. Uh, yeah. You don't want to hear what's going on here. Um, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> there you are. Oh, my goodness. We're not on video. That's good. Um, <laughs> I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive reader in Virginia. Your job now is to be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. So never hesitate to go anywhere if you can be helpful. You should not hesitate to visit the most sordid spot on earth and on, on such an errand. Keep on the firing line of life with these motives, and God will keep you unharmed. Um, and, you know, I just can't help but uh, when reading this um, paragraph, you know, after a couple of years of abstinence, I... Um, became a missionary, and that took me to very sorbid places, um, you know, the streets of Tijuana, uh, the, a, uh, a dump in Juarez, Mexico, where, where people actually lived there, uh, and their life um, work was, you know, sifting through the garbage and then trying to find things that they could sell. And, you know, in there, then I also went to uh, places where they, you know, it was a, a place for um, teenagers who were addicts. So I shared my recovery with people even at these places. And, you know, of course, it was very uncomfortable um, with the food because, um, you know, it was a different culture and all the, I was living in community with anywhere from 20 to 150 people, and I got lots of questions. And But, you know, I believe this paragraph. I believe that if God brought me to it, he would see me through it. And that uh, it didn't matter. Um, you know, the obsession had been lifted. I had worked the steps. I was living this program one day at a time, and I could, could do that. Um, and, you know, that was a long time ago, and now, you know, I'm living with uh, a husband and teenagers, and that can be, you know, a minefield all on its own. 
So, um, you know, this program is not, we don't, we don't do this so we can become eloquent at speaking, you know, on phone meetings or um, traveling the earth to, uh, to share um, with other recovered people. We do this to be wherever God's going to lead us, and you just don't know. I mean, I had no idea that was going to be my life when I got abstinent two years earlier, two, three, you know, I did that for several years. And, um, you know, so now when I'm out of, you know, whatever food and think, oh, how am I going to, you know, I don't get to have what I, what I want today, you know, then I can remember those very, very difficult circumstances that I was in, um, you know, years ago, and if I could get through that, you know, riding uh, 24 hours straight in a van with 15 people and having to have all my food prepared for three days straight, no stopping, um, just driving straight through Mexico, then I think I can live till Friday when I go to the grocery store uh, because I'm in America and we have everything ad nauseum at our disposal. Um, so, you know, this paragraph is saying we have to be willing to do whatever God is going to lead us to. And um, it could be really lush and beautiful, which I've also had those experiences, or it could be really uh, smelly and gross. You just don't know. Willingness is uh, the point. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. This is Paula, may I share? Kim and then Paula. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Wow, this paragraph, this is where I try to live. You know, I ask God each morning, you know, how can I be useful to you and my fellows? So I'm asking, where can I be of maximal helpfulness to others? And I love this line, you should not hesitate to go to the most sordid place on earth on such an errand. You know, and back in the 30s, they were going into the jails, and they were going into these psych asylums, and they were going into the, to the streets and to the gutters, and they're, they're helping these people, and that's the most sordid place on earth. But you know what, sometimes the most sordid place on earth today is in an OA meeting, is in an AA meeting, because so many meetings are so entrenched in the disease that it's difficult to go in there when you're carrying the solution. Because a lot of times what the meetings carry is this camaraderie in the disease, this camaraderie of poor me, I'm a compulsive overeater, I can't stop eating, let me talk about my divorce, let me talk about how my boss is getting on my nerves, let me talk about how I'm not getting my way so that I can feel comfortable and maybe I will not be able to, won't have to eat today. So I know one of the things I often see with people who come to strong meetings like A Vision for You and they're blown away by the strength of this message is they start to retreat from their meet their face-to-face meetings because they suddenly can't handle the depressing nature of people who are just wanting to live in the disease and, and, are, and are just complaining and moaning about it. And I understand that. We have to seek this solution. But once we have a solution, once we've had the spiritual awakening, it is our obligation to go back into those meetings and to share there is an answer. There doesn't need to be a temporary respite from this disease. We can have permanent recovery one day at a time. Because one day at a time isn't about trying to stay on my diet for one day and then in seven days I break it and go, oh, it's okay. One day at a time, I'll get back on track tomorrow. One day at a time is I have the solution. My obsession has been removed. And if I continue to work these principles on a daily basis, I will continue to have this obsession removed. I will continue to live in the sunlight of the Spirit. And let me tell you people in this meeting that it can be true for you. This is staying on that firing line of life. Sometimes can be very uncomfortable. You know, I have done some stuff in my inner group, which has been wonderful, but it hasn't been comfortable. We've started big book meetings. We've started big book panels. We had, you know, one of the teachers come in. And I'll tell you, it was not comfortable. People fought it. People don't want to hear the message in certain ways. 
because then they might have to do something without being a compulsive overeater. So stay on that fine one. You do not know how you're affecting people. You know, I remember my mom, my mom's in LA, tell me one time, someone went into a grocery store and they were getting ready to binge and they saw me in the fruit section and I was picking out fruit and they saw that I was calm and I was serene and they turned around and they didn't binge that. That moment, I don't know if they would binge an hour later, but we don't understand maximum helpfulness is live in recovery. Be recovery. Be the big book. Don't quote the big book. Be the big book. And if we do that, we can go to the most sick meetings. We can go to that wedding where all of our families are compulsive overeaters binging around us. We can go anywhere on earth. Because it is my sobriety, my abstinence is really grounded in carrying this message. And I am so grateful for the opportunity every day to carry this message throughout my day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Go ahead, Ms. Paula. And thank you, Ms. Janice. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. We see on the first line, it says, Your job is now to be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. So never hesitate to go anywhere if you can be helpful. We notice a lot of, many, many times repeated the word helpful throughout the whole book. But that first line, do your job... Your job, and then we go to 63, your job. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. And here we see what we're provided with. We're not going here alone. This is clearly, you should not hesitate. You should not hesitate. Here you don't have to pause or ponder. You don't have to hesitate to visit the most sordid spot on earth or such, on such an errand. Keep on the firing line. You know, sometimes we go on the firing line. Well, today I feel better. It doesn't matter what you feel like. God stays the same. Keep on the firing line of life. And he uses that word again with these motives. And God will keep you unharmed. You know, we see in the, in the beginning of the book, I know we're coming to the end of this chapter, but we also see in the beginning when, when um, in the doctor's opinion, when he talks about, and what does he say? Now look at the same words. Let them stand with us a while on the firing line. Same words, the firing line. There are firing lines in life, and you're going to be aimed at. But look at what it says in the very beginning. And may I just go there at 89? On 89, where we began this chapter, to be helpful is our only aim. So there you are. No matter what is aimed at you, you aim back with helpfulness. And there the difference. They're recovered, and they're God, and the power of that with you. Aim well, my friends. Thank you. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Good morning. This is Bella. Can I share? Go ahead, Bella. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for leading this me- this meeting, and thank you, everybody that is on the meeting. Wow, I like this paragraph because it's a paragraph with uh, strength and hope. Uh, first, we see your job now. It means that there was a past, but don't leave the past. Leave now. Now, what was the past? The past was before the program when we don't trust ourselves, when we don't believe in ourselves, when we blame ourselves, and we believe that we have the power, but the power, we never succeed. This was the past. Now, we are different. Thank God we are in a program and we know we are powerless, but we have the power of God. We, t- we are with God 24 hours, seven days a week. God is part in our life. So, yes, we don't have our own power, but we are God's agent. So if we are in God's hand, Never hesitate, because I am not going alone, nowhere. I am always have the most wonderful partner with me, God. God is with me, and I know it, and I feel it. And if I am going with God, I am going with 
the power of God. I, it's not my power. I don't have to hesitate. I am secure and safe. And now I am going to do God's mission, not mine. I am going to help others because I can. It's not my power. It's the power of God. It's the strength that we get from the program to, to, to believe in ourselves because we are human and we are the agent of God. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovery This is Lois. This is Kaya. I'm sorry, Lois? Yeah. And then who who was with Lois? Kaya. Sorry for interrupting, That's all right. That's all right. Go ahead, Lois, and then Kaya. Thank you. Good morning, all. This is Lois, recovered in Massachusetts. And our job is to be to be where we can be of maximum service to God. And my my life, you know, is is not very. It's kind of narrow, and um, I you know I don't I don't get a, get out that much, and and I don't I actually can't do that. But um, I I do know that my my life my life of service to God and and my, my recovery program, you know, takes place wherever I am and wherever I go. And and for the most part, my my um, my my mission on my work lately, you know, is is within my own family. Um, I I come from a family of compulsive overeaters, and um, I have you know I have developed my own family of where there's a overweight problem in, in most of my children. And um, you know whether they're a compulsive overeater or not, I try not to judge that. But anyway, I have all of these people around me, and I have you know I have recovered in this program, and they have seen me you know up and down, up and down, fat and thin, fat and thin, you know. So I really don't talk about a lot about my my recovery program, which I know that they don't want me to do. I've done that in the past, you know. I've tried to be a missionary in my own family. And um, I was not a very good power of example, but in the past couple of years, I have recovered, and I my my weight is stable. I, I'm in a normal a normal body weight, you know. But the most important change it has been inside of me, within me, you know, emotionally and mentally. You know, I have um, I've received you know the grace of God in a spiritual experience where you know my my attitude towards others has changed a lot so that you know lately too i i had an uh, opportunity to go to florida and i visited my uh, my my relatives in florida you know where they are all really overweight very overweight and um and it was very difficult for me i felt you know i felt like i wanted to be of help but i know that you know i when i was in the other spot you know i didn't want to hear anything like that so I just know that I was different this time, especially in Florida. My my family down there hadn't seen me for a while, and and my my weight was very was normal. It was good, and uh, but the most important change for me was emotionally. You know, I did not respond or react to everything that was said. I didn't try to um, convince them that you know that this this was a wonderful thing I had done. I, I didn't take any any of that. So I just tried to be a power of example. And to um, to be of helpful, to be there for them, and to put their welfare ahead of my own, especially you know on my visit to Florida, and I was and, and our visit was very different. I noticed that my sister noticed that, and um, and and I do know that you know whatever she does for herself will be because she's ready to do that. So you know to be of maximum service is just to be stable in my life. You know, to be consistent, you know, it's been a while. My, my weight doesn't shift and change. I don't eat sugar one month and then don't eat it the next. And so my family, I know, watch me, you know, and they need this program as well, in my opinion. And if and when they're ready for that, you know, that I'll know that, you know, that God is working in their life as well. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. Go ahead, Maya. Thank you. <clears throat> Thanks, Sharon. Hi, everybody. This is Chaya, Recovered Compulsive Eater and Bulimic in Dallas, Texas, soon to be from Denver, Colorado, um, which is very exciting. Okay, your job is now to be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. 
and then skipping down, keep on the firing line of life with these motives, and God will keep you unharmed. Um, you know, we're in the chapter working with others, learning about how we carry this message to others to save ourselves, really. Bill Wilson uh, helped others so that he could stay sober. Um, and, uh, you know, we're by teaching, by, by sharing, by reading the book, understanding and, and sharing with others, telling our own story about our own eating histories so that people can identify in, so that they can learn about the problem, which is when I eat certain foods, certain, indulge in certain food behaviors, I find that I can't stop once I start. And then when I try to stop, I find that I can't stay stopped. And that's the problem. And then going through the book, learning about the solution, that there's a higher power that can lift us out. Only the higher power can lift us out from this uh, quicksand. And then learning and, and taking the, the program of action, the action steps, which is what actually happened, we need to do in order to get to the place, the state called recovered. Um, and, and so now, being in that place, my job is to be at, what's that place, right? In this place, my job is to be where I may be of maximum helpfulness to others. And that's my job. I have a new employer. You know, I was a slave to food. Um, food was my master. And now God is my master. I'm a servant. And um, I was a slave to food, and now I'm a servant of the higher power, um, which, by the way, I had no clue about when I first came into OA. But uh, when I was shown in this book and, and it was explained to me the problem and then the solution, which was God, and then the directions on how to get access, I did um, achieve that. And so now I'm in a place where I need to be of maximum helpfulness to others. And so um, Kim was sharing earlier about going to meetings. Um, you know, I go to... OA meetings to carry the message. I don't. I used to go to meetings to get. I gotta go to a meeting. I gotta go to a meeting. I gotta get. I gotta get. I gotta. I gotta share. I gotta share and get this off my chest, you know. And what I was taught is that meetings really are cheerleading sessions for the newcomer. And the getting off my chest comes with the steps with my sponsor, with my other recovered, fellow recovered uh, compulsive eaters. Um, but the meetings are there to give hope to the newcomer. Um, and so I try to be of maximum helpfulness to others at a meeting and um, share what happened to me and um, what happened to the many of us as a result of following the directions in this book. And I'm so, so grateful. And then my job is to be of maximum service wherever I am, which requires me to be really, really, really steeped in step 10 and step 11 so that I can constantly be asking God, what do you want for me now? What do you want for me now? What do you want for me now? And it says here, keep on the firing line of life. It is a firing line. It is, I'm right out there. Um, but with these motives, with the motive of being helpful to others, um, we can be protected. And um, I'm just so grateful to have this as my way of life, these directions for living, it has totally transformed my life. And I was in a way for many years in a thin body, feeling crazy in my head, even with some recovery under my belt. But I never got to the place called recovered until I was introduced to the problem, to the solution, and to the directions on how to achieve it. And I'm very, very grateful. Thanks so much for letting me share. Thank you, Hi. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, here we are, yes, in, in this chapter entitled Working with Others. And how is it that I got to this place where I'm now ready to begin working with others? Well, I had to have that psychic change. I had to have that transformation. You know, and it starts out in this, in this paragraph saying what my job is. You know, it's a very big question, and it's a very 
small question. What is my job? What is my job today? You know, to do, see, feel, and believe that which I couldn't before. You know, it reminds us in this page that, you know, compulsive overeating, we were withdrawing from life. Little by little, we were withdrawing from life. It's a disease of isolation. You know, we were isolated. I don't know if, it, if you're anything like me, but I, but I was isolated in my thinking. I was isolated in my eating. I was isolated from other people, not willing anymore to share or put myself out there in the ways that I, I thought humans did. You know, I was, I was trapped. I was trapped in this disease of compulsive overeating. So it says, now that you've had this spiritual transformation, now that you're on solid spiritual ground, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? You know, what are your motives? Well, my motives began to give back what I had so generously been given. That somebody had reached out their hand and gave to me what they had found that they were passing it on so that I, in turn, could pass it on. And it reminds us that that at a proper time and place, those things will be revealed. At a proper time and place, those instances, those circumstances, those situations where I can share will be presented to me because now I'm awake and aware and I can see it, whereas before I couldn't see it. And now I can do it where before I couldn't do it. You know, that's, that's what happens to us. Because now we're safe and protected. We're safe and protected. You know, we've, we've been given the ability to recover and to help others. And when we get to that place, which we live in, I live in that place, I try to the best of my ability one day at a time to live in that place, then those places where I can share and give back are going to be presented. Those opportunities will be clearer to me in a way they hadn't before. And I don't have to hesitate now to share what I've been given. You know, and, and my motives are, are to give back so that I can keep what I've been given so that I can see how this beautiful circle of recovery happens over and over and over again. You know, so this chapter, Working with Others, shows me that once again, once again, there will be people, there will be opportunities, there will be places where I can give back. Because that's my job now, to try to be of maximum helpfulness. And not only to other compulsive overeaters, but certainly to other compulsive overeaters, but every place in my life every place in my life, because I've, I've gotten something that I never dreamed was possible, a way to live, a spiritual design for living. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Let's move on to the next paragraph. And Julie, would you read that for us? Yes, I'm Julie, a recovered compulsive overseer in California. Many of us keep liquor in our homes. We often need it to carry green recruits through a severe hangover. Some of us still serve it to our friends, provided they are not alcoholic. But some of us think we should not serve liquor to anyone. We never argue this question. We feel that each family, in the light of their own circumstances, ought to decide for themselves. Um, You know, this is a good paragraph, short, but um, very powerful. You know, the previous page said that assumingly we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things that alcoholics are not supposed to do. Um, and that's, you know, going to places, being around other people who, you know, for me, my whole life revolved on what party I was going to go to so I could eat. Um, I would plan everything around, you know, what food would be available. But, you know, once having that psychic change, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to react differently to life. So... If I'm recovered, then food is not a part of me like it was before, as long as I'm doing the work. So for me, you know, I have two strapping young men and my husband that are not compulsive overeaters. So therefore, I bake, we have cookies, we have candies, we have whatever. 
but there's that neutrality there because I'm not a compulsive overeater in action, I guess you could say. So for me, um, you know, I'm glad I can go to birthday parties. I'm glad I can go to weddings and focus on the people and, and focus on the occasion. Holidays are coming up. I don't have to worry about it being a binge fest as long as I'm in fit spiritual condition. Um, so, you know, again, it's very individual, but I, I often hear people say that, oh, I can't go there, I can't do this because I'm going to binge. You know, I, they haven't gone and had that uh, psychic change for the food to be neutral. You know, I'm not saying that um, there's days that I might think about something, but it's a thought and it's fleeting. So for me, um, I do keep things in my home. But if I was not spiritually fit, I I would have to remove them. But thanks to this program and, you know, living in 11 and 12 now, I'm able to do that. And I do give food to people who are not compulsive overeaters. I would not bake and give something to a compulsive overeater. That would, you know, not be the right thing to do. But I, I go back to that story where Bill had carried um, the booze in his trunk, you know, to, to help a green recruit, as they say. I mean, somebody who, who needed to have a drink did that with Dr. Bob, gave him the drink before surgery once to steady his nerves. That's not what, you know, what we're talking about. Um, but anyway, thank you so much, and I will pass. Thank you, Julie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. <laughs> Sally. Go ahead, Sally. This is oh, Larissa. Thank you. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally. We covered compulsive overeater. I'm just going to speak to the uh, last few sentences of this paragraph, but some of us think we should not serve liquor to anyone. We never argue this question. We feel that each family, in the light of their own circumstances, ought to decide for themselves. And I have been... um, I could be very militant about the subject of serving um, sugar, certainly in my own home, I don't ever prepare dessert for anybody. If somebody wants dessert, I think that um, my company has figured out <laughs> I'm willing to do the dinner and that if they want dessert, they're going to have to bring their own dessert um, because for me, I just don't I don't want to play with it. Um, I know I'm in a place of neutrality. I probably um, wouldn't probably terribly bother me, but I really don't want to play with um, something that has burned me so badly in the past. Um, I make uh, lasagna for my family and things like that. It does nothing for me. I have no desire whatsoever. And so to some extent, I wouldn't say that I'm really uh, not ever touching anything that I don't eat because I do not eat um, any kind of um, flour products. But and they, it doesn't bother me to make things like that, especially um, because I have a lot of vegetarian um my kids are vegetarian at this point, vegan, and so it's kind of cool for me to be able to show them, to teach them how to uh, to make things um, without any kind of dairy either. Um, but it does always involve some kind of um, noodles and stuff like that, and so uh, it's just, uh, to me, for for the things like that, it doesn't bother me, whereas I'm sure, sure there are other people that do. But, you know, what really speaks to my mind about this is um, that when I go places and... Um, my family knows I don't eat sugar and I don't eat flour. In the past, I would, you know, I would have to um, say something beyond thank, no thank you. Now I just say no thank you and not another word. It's just not necessary, and I don't want to be shining the spotlight on my diet. Um, but this sentence, we never argue this question. Of course, we never argue any question because we're told not to argue about anything um, so many places in the big book. Um, but it goes on to say we feel that each family in the light of their own circumstances ought to decide for themselves. I have to say when I visit my um, my grandchildren, that is probably the most stressful time for me to watch other people, particularly these little grandbabies who are um, crazy about sugar. Very clearly they're crazy about sugar, and um, and I can't say a word. I just can't say a word because that's my daughter's little family, and it's not my business. She knows how I 
how I feel about sugar. And um, I know that if I were to say one word, <laughs> I would really be putting myself into a hornet's nest. And so I don't. Um, so I guess here again, we, we have to take a look at this for ourselves. And for myself, I'm, I've learned very clearly that um, I work with my body. I take care of my body. And it's not my business what other people around me are doing in the process of taking care of my body and my family seeing um, how much weight I've lost and how I'm returning to a normal-sized body. Um, they're not blind and they're not stupid. And um, while they may not say anything to me, I know that it is affecting their thinking. I'm sure of it because I I hear and I see some of the alterations in what they're doing in their homes. And I, I, I do believe that um, some of what they're doing is because of... Um, because of what they see and, and the changes in me. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Kathy in Boston. May I share? Go ahead, Kathy. Thanks, Janice. Thanks to everybody on the line. I'm a compulsive, a recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, what I, in listening to everybody, um, uh, I really come to this last line. We feel that each family, in light of their own circumstances, ought to decide for themselves. It occurs to me that when I first started working the steps, um, I could not keep things that I don't eat uh, in the house. It was just I was in too precarious a, a position. But over time, as my recovery strengthened, it became much easier for me to have things in the house. And I I really prefer that. I prefer that others not have to um, go without just because I choose to go without. Um, and today uh, I have such immunity from the food I don't eat um, because of my relationship with my higher power that it's not a problem at all. I've also noticed that um, I used to, you know, have to do a lot of preparation uh, when visiting other homes, uh, and today uh, most of the people I visit know who I am and how I eat, and we don't even have to talk about it. I'm often asked to bring the salad or the fruit bowl um, when we have potluck meals, and um it's it's miraculous to see the transformation that I've been through and also that others have been through in terms of accepting and knowing who I am and what I do. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Judy? Kathy. Judy? Katie? Go ahead, Katie. Katie and then Lisa. Judy? Go ahead, Katie. No, I think you meant to uh, say Judy. I don't think it was a Katie. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Judy? Yes, thank you, Janice, for your service. This is Judy F. from Massachusetts. And I was just feeling, in reading this, just so grateful. Um, for the past 22 years, you know, I've been recovered and abstinent. And I can, my husband really appreciates um, home-baked cookies, and I can do that. And for him, he's not a compulsive overeater, so they last um, much more than a day or an hour like it would be. And I'm, that neutrality is, I'm, I'm still, even after 22 years, I, I feel that, like, wow, God is amazing. And when I go places, it, that just doesn't come into my head on, oh, no, they're going to have something that, you know, that I can't have. It's just I don't want it. it I mean, it's truly the steps work that, and I could never, ever on my own make myself feel like, okay, I don't want it. I don't want I've always wanted it, always wanted it, until I had that spiritual awakening through these 12 steps. And the other thing I wanted to comment on, on we let the family decide, you know, each family. I, I had been in one part of the program um, in the uh, very beginning, and not only was my sponsor, you know, like we talked about you know, my food and my weight, but I would get advice 
and have to follow, like in my own family, and um, and many examples where, well, that's not what we do. You don't do that, and I, it really blocks me from a higher power. So I love it that I don't have to make. I, you know, I share what I do with my family, but it is that family. Um, we bring it to God, and if it, and look at our motives, and. I'm just still amazed. That's all I can say is I'm amazed on how I can be free, no matter if the, if the, for me it's flour and sugar. If those products are around, they just they're just there. They have nothing to do with me, and uh, they're pretty. But it's not. It doesn't own me like it has been. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Go ahead, Lisa. Good morning, everyone. This is Lisa Renee from South Jersey. Um, I just love this book. I I really do. On page 62, it reminds us, it tells us, selfishness and self-centeredness, that, we think, is the root of our troubles. And throughout, it sort of reinforces that. The last line of this paragraph says, we feel that each family, in the light of their own circumstances, ought to decide for themselves, so it it doesn't matter what I do. Um, I don't have the the right to tell people, you know, what they should do in their home. This book reminds us to each his own, and I love it. I just love it. I'm grateful that in my recovery today, that like so many wonderful shares, and I thank everyone who shared before me. But I'm grateful that I'm able to have things in my home that I don't eat, and I can bake for my son and my aunt or whomever. I can be in a room with things that I don't eat, and I'm I'm not affected by that. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. But everyone is different. And I love the fact that this book reminds us of that, reminds us to mind our own business. It's not about me running somebody else's life, telling them what they should do. Each family, in the light of their own circumstances, ought to decide for themselves. And I, I know that whatever is going on, if we turn, if I turn to my higher power for guidance, it never lets me down. And that is always the marker that I can live from. Thank you for allowing me to share. Hi, this is Paris. Go ahead. This is Larissa. May I share? Was it Paris? Hi, Paris from Ohio. Oh, go ahead. Um, Yeah, I just um, started the program yesterday. um, And uh, I, you know, I don't, like, I live, well, I have my own house, but I have a roommate and it's just kind of hard because, like, um, she'll buy, like, junk food or whatever, and then we'll kind of get mad if I don't eat something that she bought or something like that. And that, to me, is going to be a big stressor um, because of the current living arrangements or whatnot. And, um, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up and stuff like that. And I just, I'm kind of at a loss. I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, I just, I, I'm drawn to sugar, and um, I, I know that I can't sit there very well and have a pie or or cheesecake in my house without me at this present time being a newcomer, without me wanting to devour the whole thing. You know. Um, it's 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 really hard. I, I'm I'm very faithful to my higher power, my my God, my Lord and Savior. I just um, you know, I I've, I've always, you know, God's always given me His grace or whatnot, and I'm very active in my church and stuff like that. But it just seems like um, I don't. I try to deal with things on my own, and and, and like I I should take it to. 
um, the higher power more often, you know. And I kind of beat myself up about things and uh, relationships, um, you know. You know, my mom, my my, fa- my sister, my family, you know. And I am the biggest one in the family. It's, it's a girl, um, it's a um, set of five girls, you know. I have two older and two younger. And I've always felt like um, out of place. Like I was just, um, I don't know, like a misfit, too too young to play with the older kids and too old to play with the younger kids type thing. And, you know, as far back as I can remember, you know, uh, with my great What is your first name? Paris. Paris? Paris. Welcome, Uh Paris. Welcome to you. Stick close. Stick close. And listen to the meetings and past recordings and, you know, you, you can do it. You can do it. But I think we're going to um, move on to the next person, if you don't mind, and stick, okay, stick around fine. for after the meeting. I would love love to talk more. Okay, thank you. You are so welcome. You are so welcome. Was there anyone else who wanted to share on this paragraph before we move on? This, this is Larissa. Go ahead. I'm not sure if someone came in before me. Um, this is Larissa Recovered in New York. Um, thank you so much, everyone. Great meeting. Um, the thought that comes up from, from this paragraph is this reminder, you know, that we've ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. And, you know, in Bill and Dr. Bob's stories, um, there's there's places where they had to have liquor on hand to help the man who was still sick, to help him um, get over the jitters, to help him get sober. So, they kept liquor in their homes. And, and again, everywhere in this book, it's we want to stay out of this controversy. There, there's so much grace with which they lay this information at our feet. They talk about religion. They talk about sex. They talk about whether or not to keep liquor in our homes. And they do it every step of the way, not right fighting, not demanding, not insisting that their way is the only way. They even say in the book, no one among us has this thing right. We're just trying to grow in understanding and effectiveness and to be useful. It also brings me back to how it works when we learn about the actor and how we've been living in selfish self-centeredness. And it says, were we not, even in our best moments, producers of confusion rather than harmony? And for me, this is a reminder that as I go through life, one of the greatest amends I can make in recovery is to seek to be a producer of harmony. And that's out there in the world. That's within our fellowship. I think all of us who have found this spiritual program of action as laid out from the first 100 recovered alcoholics think that our way is the only way. And we want everyone else to sort of climb on board and you know, unity is so important within our fellowship because, you know, together we survive and alone we die. And so I'm really reminded that I am not to be the arbiter of what other people choose to eat or not to eat. I'm blessed today that foods that used to trigger me and set me off into binges and, and own my soul today, they have absolutely no effect on me. And that's a miracle that I cannot comprehend or explain because for me, it wasn't about the food. It was about myself or self-centeredness. And that is where I need to let God in every minute of every moment of every day. So that space of neutrality, safe and protected, and not even swearing off, comes from making myself, aligning myself with the God of my understanding and letting him do for me that which I was incapable of doing for myself. And I, too, came into these rooms not believing in a God. So if I can do it, Anybody could do it. But, there, you know, there were certain foods in my life that literally owned my soul. They had lips. They would call to me. I had to go back for more. Today, these things can stay in my home, and they, they go bad. They have expiration dates that I didn't even know existed in my disease. That is the miracle for me today, that I can go anywhere on this planet, and God will keep me safe and protected. I can go to any dinner party anywhere in the world and eat whatever is served to me and I am no longer triggered, which I do not understand, but I do not eat compulsively today because God has removed that problem contingent on the maintenance of my fit spiritual condition and I don't have to fight other people who do it differently. I can bless their recovery and hope that they give back honoring the path that worked for them and I can bless my recovery and be grateful for it and give back honoring the path that works for me and it doesn't have to be my way. Thanks so much for letting me share. Thank you, Marissa. Well, let's move on to the next paragraph. 
And Lisa, would you read that for us, please? Yes, thank you, Janice. Good morning. This is Lisa Renee, uh, recovered in New Jersey. Grateful. Thank you, God. We are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Every new alcoholic looks for this spirit among us and is immensely relieved when he finds we are not witch burners. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. We would not even do the cause of temperate drinking any good, for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. Oh, my God. Um, I When I read this paragraph, I'm reminded of um, when I first came into program. Before I was recovered, but I was abstinent, and uh, I would go, like, there's a lot of compulsive overeating in my family or people that I know, and I was horrible. I mean, I don't know how these people didn't stone me to death because I went in everywhere telling people what they shouldn't eat and, oh, my God, I can't believe you have that. Do you know what this does to your body? Shoving, um, you know, different books in their faces. It was so obnoxious. It was so obnoxious. And (laughs) it's not recovery. I mean, it just it was not recovery. It was just doing a diet with group support and utilizing all these tools and having no concept of what this book is telling us in terms of how to live our lives. How was that being of maximum helpfulness to others? So I am just so grateful um, for this program that today I don't have to say anything. People come to me and ask questions. People see that I've changed, that, you know, my my body is changing, my personality is changing, you know, I'm still the same person, but the way I move in my life is different today. That's what attracts people. And what is attracting them? The fact that I go every day and ask God, ask God, how can I be of service? When I'm not sure, God, direct my thoughts, direct my words. I don't have to worry about being a jerk today because I can go to the power that is greater than me and ask for direction. And how grateful, how grateful I am for that. And I'm sure the people in my life are grateful for that too. Um, You know, not everybody is a compulsive overeater. Not everyone has this illness. And some people have the privilege of eating things that I don't eat or I cannot eat. And that's okay for them, too. It's not for me to judge. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Lisa. Well, I see our time is up for today. So we'll end the meeting here. Thank you to everyone who has shared today. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Kathy Kay, could you please read that for us? Are you there, Kathy? Katie, are you still on the line? Could you read that for us? Janice, I can catch that for you. Oh, thank you, Miss Leah. Good morning, everybody. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.